fired up. The snap, the put down, the swing of the leg. It is on its way. It is good! Cincinnati wins the American Championship. Here comes Bosa. Here comes the quarterback, Burrow. Looking for a block, and he got it up on the front by Hopkins. Into the end zone. Touchdown! What a skip! As there's a drive and a deep left field by Castellanos, it will be a home run. And so that'll make it a 4-0 ball game. Welcome back! It is another episode of Pardon the Punctuation. I am Aaron Smith with my best pals, the best producer in the city, Ed Mayhall, not tonight, and then uh, <laughs> our other co-host, Jeff Howell, and tonight we do have special guest from The Athletic, your friend and mine, Justin Williams. Justin, how are we doing tonight? I'm doing great. Um, I, I guess I want to congratulate you guys on the on the news. I don't know about hitching your wagon to, to Brendel Starr there with, with BCJ, but it's, it's, it's a good thing. Um, that's awesome for you guys, and I am honored to be here tonight. Well, for those of you who are new to the show, um, we had our biggest show ever last week, um, most downloads. So thank you for those of you who are listening. And if you did listen last week and are returning, thank you even more. <laughs> um, but Justin, it was a shellacking at Nippert, Nippet Night uh, Temple, Temple, Temple. They, they put their best foot forward. Uh, I think it ended up being... Their best foot isn't necessarily, you know, literally in the sense that they kicked a really good field goal, I guess. (laughs) I don't even know if it was a really good field goal. It kind of made it exactly, exactly 55 yards. And then, I mean, I guess any field goal that's good, it counts as good. So, yeah, I mean, 55 yards is that's nothing to sneeze at, especially in college. So, I get that kid credit. Temple's uh, 24 7 writer was talking with Brent at the game. And he was like, you know, this kid's from Wilmington. Maybe Fickle should try and recruit him to come play for the Bearcats. Yeah, like, I mean, it was interesting that, like, we noticed during the game that's where he was from. You know, not not great timing for the Bearcats part uh, to have an Ohio kicker put a 55-yarder through on the other side. But I feel like we all found that out in real time. And I was just like, I, I don't I don't think that's how that works. So you get to just start recruiting a kid who's actively on scholarship at Temple, even if he's playing in your house from right up the road. In the middle of the game, maybe just head over there in the <laughs> go over to their locker room at halftime and be like, Hey, listen, kid. Hey, kid I got I, a helmet that'll fit you right over here. Are you ready to pump it up? <laughs> <laughs> so that was uh that was that was I mean, maybe the highlight of the game for Temple. Uh, I think they had like 70-some-odd yards in the first half, finished with just over 200 yards, I believe. Um, just – I know I brought this up on the, the BBP last night, but just a question that I, I feel like at least should be asked. Are you starting to feel like Cincinnati might be a second-half team? Yeah, I mean, I guess the Notre Dame game kind of like scuttled that a little bit because that third quarter was – 
you know, when, when they let Notre Dame get back in it. But if you if you take that one away, and even that first half was weird, you know, like they, they got the interception by pace and then the fumble, and they got 10 points out of that, and then they had that nice drive right before halftime. But other than that long two-minute drive, they they didn't really move the ball that well in the first half. So you could make that case, and, you know, I think there's a case to be made that the reason for that is because this team knows they're good. And, like, I think you saw that during the Indiana game. They got down 14 nothing, and, you know, all the talk afterwards was like, oh, we didn't flinch. I actually believe that. Like, they did not, aside from being jumpy on, you know, false starts on the offensive line, just as a team, they didn't look like they were, like, chirping at each other or, you know, pointing fingers, which, you know, when you get down 14, it's, it's usually a lot of, like, animated on the sidelines trying to figure out what's going wrong. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of that stems from probably Fickle, Um but especially Dez on the field because he just doesn't seem to get rattled um, by anything too much. So whether it's like they're a second half team or whether they just, they don't feel this need to like come out going a thousand miles an hour because they know, you know, all right, like we're, we're going to be fine. We're going to figure it out and get in a groove and, and win the game. Um, And, and you could say that's dangerous, but like the, the teams that would probably take advantage of that for the most part, they've already beaten on their, on their schedule. So um I'm sure Fick would prefer if they came out and, you know, he always talks about playing a four quarter game. I'm sure he'd prefer if they came out and got up by three scores like they did in the Miami game. But uh, I think there's something to be said for like the team's veteran leadership and kind of steely resolve, which is they don't, they don't get too bent out of shape if things don't go exactly right for them right away. I mean, we've, we've touched on it a couple of times, like the, the Indiana game, kind of scared me a little bit just because I felt like, you know, the defense was out on the, on the field for a long time. Uh, but it, it really didn't seem to, to shake them a lot. And I know Aaron's touched on it that they, they rotate so many guys in and out that they're, they're able to stay fresh and, and ready to go. Even if they've got to be on the field for an extended period of time, if the offense isn't clicking right away. I got a question. Am I allowed to ask a question on your podcast? Yeah, absolutely. I think so. Yes, so- I heard from some fans that they were like nervous about the Temple game. I don't know if it was like short week coming off the Notre Dame high. I, you know, I'm obviously trying to look at it, come into it from a more objective point of view. But I, I thought I didn't know if it was going to be 52 to three. I thought they were going to destroy Temple. But like, were were you or did you know of fans who were actually like legitimately nervous about the Temple game? I think as Cincinnati, think there's, sorry, I'll say I think as Cincinnati <laughs> fans, like of Cincinnati sports in general, yes, there's always that chance that we're going to shit the bed. Um, against a team that we're you know we're supposed to beat, that would probably that uh, that did make me a little bit nervous. I don't know that I was that I personally was nervous. Uh, there were a couple of people uh, at my work that I uh, Justin doing the dish, Chad. Uh, there were a couple of people at my work that were, that brought up like you know after it seemed because it seems like as soon as that Georgia game was over, right, that everything turned towards the Indiana and, and more specifically the Notre Dame game and kind of like, okay, like that was out of the way and it, and it was won in pretty convincing fashion. And so like all the airs kind of let out of the balloon per se, and that maybe, you know, going up against a, a team the next week, regardless of who it is, there could be a letdown. Uh, but I, myself, I, I didn't think that with like the, the guys that are on this team, the experience that these guys have that they would, uh, you know, fumble the bag per se against the uh, temple. For me, I don't know. I didn't know anybody who was actually nervous. There's always a possibility of a team that's not considered to be any good being a trap game. I'm more concerned about 
that day after Thanksgiving game, if we're being honest, as, as far as there being a trap game, I wasn't worried at all about nip at night. Uh, I thought the crowd would come up big in the game, and, and they most certainly did. Um, obviously, the uh, the basketball recruits that were in town got to see, you know, nip at night doing its thing, and it certainly wasn't a, a lack of energy there. Um, but you know, my more I'm just a little bit more concerned that we haven't seen Desmond Ritter come out and look comfortable early in a game. And that's where I'm still like, I don't actually believe that they are a second half team. I just don't think Des is in his groove until it's, you know, halfway through the game. I had a similar experience today where I made a 15 minute spot on a radio show and I wasn't comfortable until almost the end. And I'm like, you know, a little nervous and stuff as I'm making this appearance. And, you know, I, I just don't know what it's going to take for, for Des to get there earlier. Yeah, well, first of all, I'm sure Des really appreciates you comparing your your radio spots to him, you know, in a Heisman chase for an, an undefeated top three team. I was um, going to say the same thing. Yeah, we, we, said, we said you could ask questions. You couldn't take shots, man. <laughs> <laughs> all right, fair enough. Uh, no, it's true. Like, he does seem to need at some point to get into a groove or rhythm. And it's funny, he like he'll he'll tell you this, that he likes to get hit in a game and like that kind of helps him, you know, get his mind right and it almost seems like he needs to throw a like a bad throw a, a throw that maybe could get intercepted and it like snaps him back um i don't know what that is it, it is kind of curious because as the game goes along you see him like he's just throwing darts and it feels like you know this year more than ever he's able to put it a little bit more exactly where he wants to yeah um and and why it's not always like immediate um is is an interesting question i i don't know what that is um and which is why I always think like it's good to get him running a little bit early because that, you know, whether it's him getting hit when he's running or just, you know, what it does to defense is when he runs, it seems to put them on their heels and seems to calm him down a little bit. But I also understand that like, you know, Fickle and Denbrock and Gino's stomach probably goes into their butt a little bit every time he takes off to run because they know how important he is to the team. Yeah. And it's, Absolutely. It's just been curious all year to see like him not really – find his groove in in a lot of games I, a lot being the large sample size of five i mean to um, be fair to him he did hit an 81 yarder um on his Tyler first Scott. pass of the season so yeah and that, and that like he dropped that in the bucket but you're you're right it's just that. huh if he would have missed yeah. that one though i mean he's out there by himself on an island <laughs> but you're right that it does seem like he seems to get more and more comfortable as the game goes along sometimes that's first quarter second quarter sometimes even second half um but I, yeah i don't know what the uh explanation would be to that the the good thing for the bearcats obviously is that like he's he's been really freaking good when he when he gets in that groove so if i'm hearing you right though you're advocating that maybe a tackle or a guard should let somebody slip by to let him get hit early on so that he does get into that groove maybe a little sooner. Was the old remember the Titans play, like let him through. Um, yeah, yeah right. I, again, I don't, I don't think it would advocate for that. I, I don't think anyone would play um, another snap if they did that uh, early in the game, but I don't know. Des might, he might say he might be okay with it. He might appreciate it. <laughs> so, Jerome Ford has himself a game against Temple with his whopping 15 carries for 150 yards, um, 149 if we're being exact. But the question was brought up last night again on the BBP, but do you think that this is the last shot we have with Ford this year with 
the way that he's running the ball. Like this isn't the first time that he's been able to take off. He puts up a number 23 miles an hour to be exact um, <laughs> in running that touch. Ed, what are you doing over there, man? You're killing me. I got it. Go ahead. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, but, but just, uh, just this, is this the last iteration of Jerome Ford that we see? I, I think it's possible. And, you know, I get, um, I get why, you know, for fans, that's like, oh, what a bummer. But that that's actually a really good thing. Like, I agree. If if Cincinnati starts losing, you know, juniors every year, like everyone has just, you know, yeah, sauce is leaving. Um, and and like as as great as it would be if you could have a player of that caliber four years like that doesn't happen. So if Jerome Ford, I, I remember talking to somebody about this uh, on staff before the season. They're like, yeah, if Jerome goes to the NFL after the season, that's actually a good thing for us because that means he had a really good year. Um, and so they're always like, I know from a recruiting standpoint, they're always thinking about that stuff. So it's not like they're ever going to be caught off guard. Uh, but yes, as, as much as you'd say like, man, it sure be nice to have Jerome Ford next year as well. Uh, all that does is, the next four-star running back that they're like pitching a recruit to, they can be like, you know, look, I mean, he obviously played at Alabama first, but you could say we had this kid for two years and he's off to the NFL. So uh, if he keeps going at this clip, especially like the running back position, knowing, you know, the, the lesser mileage they usually get. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he, you know, got a sense of where he might go and then, and then took a shot of, of going to the NFL. But as again, as painful as that might be, like that's, that's a really good sign for Cincinnati football. I mean, was it uh Mike Warren was what the first underclassman to, to get drafted out. And then, and then we had James Hudson, right. Last year was he, he fell into that same boat. So, and if you look around, like you're saying, you look around at some of these other, you know, perennial powerhouses, they've, they've got kids that leave, every year as underclassmen to go to the NFL and they seem to be uh, pretty successful doing that because it means you're bringing in higher caliber players earlier. Yeah. And honestly, like the, the caliber of players that they have been recruiting and want to keep recruiting, it probably helps if they can say like, Oh yeah, the guy in front of you is going to leave after his junior year, as opposed to, you know, he's going to stay his senior year or his COVID year or something like that. Now Sometimes you just tell recruits what, what they need to hear. I get that. But like, yeah, if, if a running back's looking and being like, oh, yeah, I don't have to sit on the bench for three or four years to wait because this team has sent, you know, players to the NFL early. Well, that again, that's just like kind of one more positive step you're taking as, as a program as a whole. Now, starting the season, Josh Wiley was highly touted as being a big piece of this offense. And as of yet, he's not really had that huge standout game like he had, you know, even last year. Is that anything that you're concerned with the uh, the production that he's having this year? Or do you think that's more just defenses kind of bracketing him and, and letting you know Lenny stand out, Alex stand out, and just kind of the way that the uh, the offense is tuned right now? Yeah, it, I wouldn't say it's concerning. You know, Josh missed a lot of time in camp. He got banged up early, and then they were they were really cautious with him. So like he participated, but he was limited, and you know, he, he wasn't out there a lot. So, you know, there's also probably some degree that he, the first couple of weeks he was getting into the a rhythm that he might've had during camp. Like, I don't know that that's the full explanation, but I bet that's part of it. Um, and I think another part of it is, so when he was out, that mean Lenny got a lot more of those reps in camp and Lenny was arguably the MVP, certainly on offense of the camp. He had a really good camp. Um, he had, a you know, has, has developed a really good connection with Des. And so, 
part of, I think, Josh having less opportunities is because Lenny's had some more opportunities and he's, he's played really well. He's delivered. And then the other thing I think is it's another like good problem to have is in years past, you know, a player like Josh, you kind of saw this with Josiah DeGuar, like they had to throw to Josiah eight or nine times a game because they didn't have the other targets. They don't have to do that. Des completed 22 passes to nine, nine different receivers, I believe against temple. And we, I asked him about it today and, you know, he said, it's like, Every once in a while, you know, all right, you know, let's run a pattern to get Josh a, a completion or let's run a pattern to get Michael Young a completion. Like they can do that if, if they feel like they need to get just a guy involved. But for the most part, he's just dropping back and like taking what the defense gives him. And so I think that the first three weeks of the season, you don't necessarily see Alec Pierce, you know, jump out that much. But then they got him going a little bit in Indiana. And then he obviously has huge game against Notre Dame, huge game against Temple. I think it's just you know, Des finding the open guy. And, you know, you've seen it with like Tyler Scott has a big game and then the next game he has one or two catches or something like that. So uh, th that's a good problem because it means they have a lot of people they can spread it out to. I have to believe that, you know, as long as Josh stays healthy and that continues, like at some point the ball's going to find him, whether it's consistently a few times a game or whether he has like a breakout game like Alec did against Notre Dame. Um, so, you know, I, I think he's healthy. I think he's he's feeling good. He obviously is still a weapon. I just think it's been a case where, like, they haven't had that game where he's kind of been the guy that the ball has found yet. And I suspect that at some point that will definitely happen for him. Now, you bring up Alec Pierce, and he's had a monster last two games. Um, he was out most of last season on injury. And seeing him back in football shape and dominating in – not one, but two back-to-back -back games now. When does he slow down? Like, do you see that happening against the conference? Because, I mean, we, we kind of have a, an idea of what the defenses in this conference look like at this point in time. And I, I just have no idea when anybody's going to slow him down without literally throwing two, three guys out there running around with him. I mean, that's probably the answer, because I think you're right. Like, I, I don't know that there's a defense, a cornerback in the – conference that can like match up and contain him one-on-one -on -one. there's no one that has a, a sauce gardener that they can like throw on him so if a team if teams like are like all right we're not going to let this kid beat us we're not going to let him get deep shots on us and they're just going to double team and bracket him and, and drop a safety back all the, the whole time then yeah they could probably limit him you know quite a bit or, or maybe just limit him to those like easy hitch routes you know five yard to pop or something like that but if you do that then yeah so that's that opens it up for Wiley or Lenny or Michael Young or you know Tyler Scott or whoever so it's I certainly think defenses could do it if they want to commit to that but again the problem with this Bearcats offense which you know starting last year and now has continued this year the reason that they're you know went from being a good team to like a top five top three team is the offense has made them complete and they have all these weapons now so you can sell out to stop Alec Pierce if you want but it's it's probably just means that someone else is going to beat you after that. So we've talked an awful lot about the Bearcats' offense so far tonight. And now maybe the bigger star of the two, the defense. Who's surprised you the most so far this season on defense? Uh, probably Deshaun Pace. Um, I mean, he was a guy who I remember like coming into camp as a true freshman last year. Marcus Freeman was talking about, like, if we have a true freshman that plays, it's, it's going to be this kid. Like, they were high on him, so it's not a surprise that he's playing well. But it's just one of those situations where he's now gotten a chance to, like, do it, to show it, to, to go out there and play. And 
to me, he's like, he just looks like a stud. You know, the big thing I always thought on Jarrell White was he was obviously undersized, but he was just a, a playmaker, like a baller. He would go out there. He could tackle anybody. Deshaun Pace is like that, but Deshaun Pace has an NFL body. Like he's 6'2", 230 or whatever he is, and and he can tackle the way Jarrell could, and he has really good, you know, instincts. We've seen him make a couple plays on interceptions. Uh, it's It's rare that a guy gets past him in the open field or at the line of scrimmage or something like that. So him being good is not a surprise, but like seeing it and how good he is has been, you know, impressive so far for me. And I know I wasn't able to make it to all of camp higher ground, but was he really standing out like this, even at camp higher ground? I'm trying. I mean, it didn't really like flash the way it, it seems to have on the field. And part of that too, is they rarely went like, live tackling with with the first teamers so you don't see him when he's one-on-one with jerome ford you know on the outside like going at him and making a tackle that just doesn't happen in camp and that's you know watching in games that's what i'm noticing is like if he has a chance to make a tackle he's gonna make it um so yeah it it didn't jump out that way because he didn't really have the opportunities to, to tackle like that but it wasn't hard to look out there and see you know guys like him and and beavers and my j and obviously they're the way they look is imposing but when you see them running around you realize like yeah these these are really good football players um but w- with him it's been like and all those guys honestly you know when it when it's gone live and they've had a chance to make the plays they really haven't missed are you surprised with the lack of statistical production from my j at this point and is what he's been doing in that regard hurting his NFL stock value to the second part, maybe. And if so, like then somebody's going to get a bargain on him because, you know, I, I wrote about this, I guess last week, like, yeah, the numbers are not there. If you're just looking at the basic raw stats, but if you're watching the game, I mean, he's having a huge impact. It's not like he's just out there and, and not doing anything. Yes. He's getting chipped. Yes. He's getting double teamed, but he's still getting to the quarterback. He's still, you know, impacting the way they're even game planning in general. And I think what in the Indiana game and the Notre Dame, both of Pace's interceptions, I mean, were directly from my J getting in the backfield and, and pressuring the quarterback and getting a hit on him. Uh, so watching him in camp, it, it felt like, I think I picked him in one of our articles for the athletic to, to be the conference defensive player of the year. Like, unless he just goes insane the rest of the way, that's, I mean, I guess they just played one conference game, but unless something changes, that's probably not going to happen because the numbers haven't been there. And it seems like teams are game planning against him, but the, like the, the spirit behind me making that pick was the impact he can have on the game. And he's still, in my opinion, is is still having that. And I, I feel like the team feels that way. And from an NFL perspective, if the scouts are doing their job and they're actually watching, then no, it's not going to hurt, you know, his, his draft stock. Uh, but I bet there's a lot of scouts who are kind of hoping that other scouts aren't paying attention. So, you know, they can get him in the second round or, you know, something like that. Well, and he's I mean, getting, when like- you see it, I would just say like, when, when you see a, a guy doing what he's doing uh, and essentially creating for other guys on, on the defense and you've got teams that have to game plan for him. If to me, that is, that is like the the quintessential defensive player of the year when you when you're being game planned against to the point where like what you're doing is literally raising everyone else up to create the plays and make the plays that they that they've been making like you said with like the Deshaun Pace interceptions have been directly related to the things that Maje is doing and even though you know while he's okay, getting so double get, and triple teamed right it, it, 
and he's and because he's doing that everyone else is free to do whatever they want to do which is you know create havoc and intercept the ball or you know tackles for loss those kinds of things yeah and i think what they had six sacks right against temple um and this even like just not my jay but in general the sack numbers hadn't been there early and i i think that was a result i mean murray state's the biggest example of this they were just like we're getting the ball out as fast as humanly possible and against a team like cincinnati that's a really smart plan because they knew they couldn't block those guys they knew the longer we hold the ball the worse it's going to be for us but even on a smaller scale i feel like some you know notre dame indiana have, have done that too uh so yeah i i'm sure he wishes he was you know uh getting more sacks but uh i i think from a team perspective like they're happy with what he's been doing so far well it looks like chad's been asking you some questions here he wants to know why you're not doing the dishes this is um, prime dish washing time for me so i hope that shows my dedication to to the bcj brand and and pardon the punctuation that i i pause that to come hang out with you guys we appreciate that they're, the dishes don't do themselves Unless, right. unless they're in the dishwasher but uh he also wants to know i don't know if you saw it pop up it seemed like you stumbled a little bit when it did pop up but is the professional justin williams headshot available for nft so i'm i'm going to be completely honest with you guys i have no idea what an nft is jeff it's a like cryptocurrency thing i know it's a i know it's a thing like that and i know i should know what it is because it's like Des has some for some NIL deals and you would think that like as part of my job as as a quote unquote reporter I should know but I I couldn't tell you what an NFT was so I just don't understand why anyone would purchase a digital picture that you can download anyway just to say that you own it because other people are still going to download it and you can't like be like well I own that picture you have to take it down none of this makes any sense to me this is the stupidest thing in my entire life you own the original <laughs> I agree. I don't understand all of it either. I blame. I totally blame the card companies for having issues with having the physical product for people to buy because a bunch of thirty to forty year olds decided they're going to buy up all the packs and have these YouTube videos to break packs open. So stupid. Sounds all like Aaron's been watching card breaks. Let the kids put them in their bike spokes again. Do kids, <laughs> even, ride, do kids even ride bikes anymore? I have no idea. Why did I get oh. muted? Oh. God. <laughs> oh, I think man. Ed's trying to talk. Why did I get muted? Oh, he is, <laughs> he's, he's still muted. muted. He's muted because his his computer was his making computer funny noises. Was making early. noises. <laughs> I got you, Ed. Don't worry. Am I back? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, apparently that's gonna be on the audio, but not the video. That I was muted. Great. So. That's fantastic. Were you asking an important question, or I, I asked? Well, I was talking about NFTs and all that good stuff, and <laughs> I said Aaron's been. Watching card breaks and apparently none of that came through. And back to the Bearcats. Yeah, back to Bearcats. <laughs> so, do you think anybody else that we weren't talking about before the season began, um, as guys that would be projected to the NFL, would have have raised their stock right now? And why is it Brian Cook? <laughs> <laughs> he's he's a good one, um, and he's like one of those guys that when you when you just go through his story, it's like, how exactly were, was no one on you? Like, I, I remember I talked to him, it might've been back in spring ball. And he was like, yeah, like I didn't get much look out of high school. I wasn't very big. And it's like, as I'm standing next to him, I'm like, well, I, I kind of find that hard to like believe. I guess, he, you know, he's had a little bit of a growth spurt, but yeah, I mean, he, you could make the argument 
he when he was filling in for Wiggins in the Peach Bowl that he was the best player on the defense for them in that game. And I think, you know, one of the best things you could say about him and Javon Hicks is like they they lost two draft NFL draft pick safeties in Wiggins and Forrest, and it hasn't been a drop off at all. At all. And uh yeah, I mean Again, I have no I'm not smart enough to like know where Brian Cook is projected to go in the draft or if he's even projected to get drafted, but I I have a sense that if he gets on a, a camp roster somewhere, like he's going to be a hard guy to cut in the NFL. So obviously, you know, you still have, you know, Beavers and Malik Van and I I, I think Malik's starting to make a case. I know he wasn't necessarily a guy that was mentioned as being a NFL ready guy early preseason compared to some of the other guys, you know, sauce, my that kind of thing. But Malik's making a case for himself as well. Now Beavers, same thing. And when you see, you know, 20 NFL scouts in the uh, press box, have you, like, would you have ever guessed when you started the beat that there would be 20 NFL scouts up there for a Friday night temple game? No, I mean, it's ridiculous. I think there were 27 at Notre Dame, Cincinnati. And like, okay, that's two top 10 teams. It's Notre Dame. You get that. But then to turn around and have, yeah, 20 of them on a Friday night against Temple. uh, it's And it was the same way in camp. Like, you know, you were there a few days. There were just scouts lining the the field in a way I have not seen in, in my four seasons on the beat. One day, the Saints sent three different scouts that there were three people in Saints polos and hats watching the Bearcats practice at high. Bengals don't even have three scouts. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Um, I do, what I think will be interesting, like you mentioned Malik, I'm curious who is going to be the, like the Darian Beavers on from this year's team. Well, you know, like, I mean, Darian Beavers kind of decided even before last year, he was going to use his COVID year and, and come back, but who's basically going to do the same thing where, Beavis had a really good year all conference season. He probably could have gone and either gotten drafted or gotten on a roster, but he stayed and he's definitely helped his draft stock. So who is that guy? Like Malik seems like an example. If, if he would come back and play another year, maybe he's able to, to boost his stock. Leonard Taylor seems like another guy. And maybe these guys, if they keep playing the way they're playing, they won't even have to do that or they can go get drafted anyways. But there's going to be someone on this this team who's a senior who uses their extra year the way beavers did this year next year to kind of boost their stock and i I think you know trying to project who that would be maybe brian cook like that that'll be interesting to see next season where you go from being a a day three guy and instead of being a a day three guy end up being a a day one day two guy i I could totally see that and it's it'll be a tough sell because you know you got to do another year class you got to come back and do you know, grad, grad winter, yeah, winter ball and go to higher ground and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I think they can probably point to Beavers as like, this is a, this, you know, if you're on the fence, this is a good reason why this might be the right choice for you. I was going to say, I mean, if anybody's on the fence, there, there are plenty of guys that came back this year that, you know, had that decision to make and are improving their stock. And it's like, Hey, you know, go talk to this guy, go talk to this guy, see, you know, see what their experience with it is and, and come back and, you know, improve yourself or, or test the waters and, and have at it, you know, one, one way or the other. It's, I don't know that any of those guys that are kind of wavering would uh, have a bad experience one way or the other. Yeah. And I mean, you could point to Forrest and James Hudson are, you know, two good examples of like, yeah, if they came back, they probably would have bumped their stock, but they were both what I think Hudson was fourth. Forrest was fifth round. They're both on NFL rosters. They're both playing on Sundays. Like it worked out for him. Right. Yeah. 
So one of the questions that came out last night in the BBP mailbag that I don't know that we were necessarily ready to answer, uh, but it's not an FMK, it. is it? No, no, it's not an okay. FMK. Yeah. Um, <laughs> F Mary kill Ed. Um, it's, it's Bearcats related. Um, the Evan Prater, do you see a game where Evan Prater is going to have an opportunity to throw maybe more than one pass, more than you know three passes, and and where would you see that game currently on the schedule? I mean, you know, so let me pull it up here. That I think the the USF game, USF does not look uh, all that great. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised even. In a, in a couple weeks, Navy, you know, I think they've played better in recent weeks, but that seems like it could be an opportunity. It, it'll be interesting because the other part of this that's has to factor in, like as long as Des keeps playing well and the team's undefeated and he's in that Heisman race, like there's almost an obligation to, you know, he, he doesn't have to play in the fourth quarter. He doesn't have to play when they're up 52 to three. But like he kind of does have to play in the third quarter and still like get his stats a little bit because right. they're almost doing him and the the program a disservice if they don't let him you know stay in there and let it rip. But yeah, I I, I would certainly think it, the Temple game's any indication. There are some fourth quarters where you let Prater go in, and you know Fickle might have to like swallow a little bit of his old school coach pride and just be like, yes, I'm actually going to put the backup in and and let him kind of toss it around a little bit because. I get it. That's that's not the way Fickle does things. Like right. we're not going in there and trying to, especially once you put the backup and we're not trying to run it up. But I I think for them, um, for the for the program for Prater, it would probably be worthwhile uh, allowing him to do it if they get the chance. Now, as we're talking about Prater, do you see a situation where you have any concern? I mean, we've seen him in camp, and he's looked. I, I brought it up last night. He's looked fantastic in camp, especially with the long ball. Um, are there any concerns next year where you feel like they need to bring in a guy to potentially compete with Evan Prater for uh, whether that be, you know, a, a transfer or, you know, even a, a rookie or not rookie, um, a freshman, um, but where, where they have to have somebody compete with Evan Prater or, or do you feel like Evan Prater's the guy next year? I don't think I would view it as a concern, but I think they're going to do that. And part of the reason is, like they're the number three team in the country. Think of how many, you know, four and five star quarterbacks, probably four star quarterbacks who, you know, went to some top tier power five program and didn't get on the field. Like all these guys who have gone to Oklahoma or, you know, are now dropping down wherever it seems like every, every other team has a, a transfer quarterback. Like a lot of those guys are, you know, would jump at the chance to go to Cincinnati, especially if Desmond Ritter is in New York, you know, for, for the Heisman award or something like that. So mm-hmm. They're going to have plenty of options from the transfer portal of guys they could bring in. And I think it'd be smart to like, honestly, it'd be silly not to. Now I'm not saying you go in and make that person the starter. You could bring him in and say like, we got this kid, you know, he's a local four-star guy that we believe in. He's going to be the, get the QB one going into camp. You're going to have to beat him out and tell the same thing to Evan. Like, yeah, you know, you're going into camp as a starter. It's your job if you can win it. But um, without having seen him, you know, play starter type snaps and reps uh, and, and knowing the pool of candidates that will, are probably going to be available to them. Like I, I say you definitely bring in one of those guys that you feel like is a good fit for the program is a good fit for Gino and Denbrock and what you're trying to do and, and give them a chance and create that competition that Fickle's always talking about. 
Well, he, and I mean, Keith, the, Keith in the chat over here brings up Spencer Rattler, which, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah he, I mean, the culture it, thing I was talking about, I, I yeah, don't know if right. Spencer Rattler fits that culture, but... but along the same lines of like what you were bringing up, like you don't want to end up in a situation like we saw this past weekend in uh, the Texas A&M Alabama game where, you know, they're already down to like, I think their third string quarterback and he got hurt at the end of the game. And it, it was looking like, I mean, if he didn't come out of, I mean, he got some kind of special juice in the, uh, in the medical tent there because he looked like he couldn't lift either arm over his head. Uh, and then he comes back out, but they were, they were getting ready to put a walk-on quarterback in to try to drive them down for that final field goal. Luckily, they're the other kid that is like their third-string quarterback was able to come back out and play, and he was playing fantastic. But you don't want to end up in a situation like that where you've got you know me walking off the street trying to be a, a college you know quarterback on a on a team that's. You know, it's not invincible. Things, right. this, is, this is not invincible. Well, no, say, speaking of Texas. Not. Speaking of Texas, you definitely don't want a Matt Harrison, J.D. McCoy situation happening out there. Unbelievable. It's a Friday Night Lights reference. No? All right. What, was it, it a voodoo? Bring bring that voodoo guy in. Voodoo wasn't in the... <laughs> um... Oh, yeah, he was. Yeah. I forgot. doesn't even know his own reference. <laughs> uh, I mean, the, the mantra, though, is iron sharpens iron, so I... I... I'd be completely shocked if they didn't bring somebody in to at least maybe push the competition level to a different place than what it would be otherwise. So I'm with you on that. Um, before we get you out of here, did want to ask, how's basketball practice looking? Because I'm sure you're there every day on the athletic beat. Um, I know Chad's had some things going on, so it's been a little bit harder to, to get basketball information out of him. But this is why we have friends in, in high places. So... Um, he's going to hate that I said that. But. <laughs> you're going to you're going to get fired real quick. I know. I'm I'm, I'm actually we're, the 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 PTP is no longer part of the umbrella. <laughs> so Aaron's been double hired. So <laughs> not for long. <laughs> but how's how's practice looked? Well, it's been good. I mean, I I will say without um any you know, context, it's been nice to be at practice and be able to watch it. Uh, it You know, we're juggling football and, and basketball schedules, uh, you know, up and down. So it's not like I'm there every day, but being able to watch it once or twice a week has been really nice. Um, I, I like watching Wes Miller coach. Like that's kind of been the biggest takeaway for me is, you know, sitting in there and, and watching how he's approaching this. He's having to do a lot more like explaining and, and teaching. <laughs> <laughs> see chad chad just dropped dropped the truth there um he's had to do a lot more explaining and teaching than i think he you know any coach would want to but he also understands why he has to do that with a new program and, and a turned over roster but just like the connection he has with the players and kind of his approach to the profession in general has been really impressive to me and so i think i don't honestly i do not know what this year is going to look like and i think if you uh had Wes Miller on here and injected him with truth serum, he would tell you the same thing. Like it's just too early to tell, uh, you know, it's, it's a new, new team, a new system. But for me, and I, I've, I've said this multiple times, I believe it. I think the broader long-term outlook of this program is really good with Wes and the staff that he's built and like, you know, getting guys like Mike Ray felt back. And I think you can even see it in some of the recruits they've gotten here in the past couple of weeks. Um, I think this season, you know, 
part of me wants to say like, oh, it could be up and down, or maybe it just takes them a little while to kind of find their footing. I honestly have no idea. I don't think we'll know until we get a couple games into the season. Um, but based on what I've seen, and I guess my takeaway has always been like, it seems like they made us a good hire, and and long term, I think Bearcats fans should be excited about that. Well, the schedule certainly looks a little bit kinder this year than it did last year. So there is that. Um, anybody stood out to you so far through practice, though? Jared Hensley, like when you see him up close, I mean, he's he's a big dude. Like, you know, th- th- he can he's kind of playing that wing, you know, three uh, stretch four type position. And he's like built like an NBA player at that position. In terms of like on the court, I think it's going to take him a little while to – you know, he was a freshman last year at UNCG. Um, I think it's going to take him a while to kind of get acclimated and, and get up to speed in the system and, and just the the level of competition. But like when you see him, it's it's always striking to me, and I, I think like that's a good look. And then the other, I just think the post players in general, like you know, Abdul Ado started 130 games in the SEC. He was an all def- all defense SEC player. Like they have not had a, a post presence like that in a long time. And actually like I've seen him he can score a little bit too. He has some touch around the rim, but regardless of that, like just his ability to impact the game defensively, blocking shots, rebounding, you know, just being a physical presence inside they're going to need that against teams like Houston and Memphis. And he's going to be ready for that. Like he's gone against that level of competition every day when he's playing uh, at Mississippi state. Um, And you could make similar, you know, cases about Hayden Koval obviously wasn't playing that level of competition, but just like his ability to block shots and protect the rim. That's something that they've desperately needed. And he can stretch the floor on the opposite end. Uh, Odia Guam is another guy who's, he's pretty raw, but he's just got an incredible motor. He's played in the ACC for a couple of years. So, the impact that those post players are going to have compared to recent years, I, I think that's going to be like the most immediate glaring difference for for fans that they notice. Well, I think we can all agree that we're all fired up. Um, I, I'm I'm really excited to see just this team step out on the court and see all the different new pieces after maybe the biggest transition any of us have ever seen for a Cincinnati program um, in so many ways. Um, and, and just, you know, get to see all of that coming. But we do want to thank you for your time tonight. We'll get you out of here. I told you I'd get you out of here by about 10. So just about a minute past. So we did it. Well, I appreciate you guys having me, um, Aaron. I'm you know sorry about you getting double fired, but it was it was a way to go out in a blaze of glory. Uh, Jeff, Ed, Ed, I know you were muted like half the time, but yeah. um, it was yeah. great talking to both you guys so appreciate i appreciate you having me on i'm very happy for for ptp and, and the bcg bcj mass mashup um so congratulations on that appreciate it Thanks, Thanks, Justin. Aaron, Justin. we'll see you next time bye i feel bad. all right i feel bad so i got i got fired twice yeah fired twice in that segment maybe you can get maybe over the next i don't know 40 minutes or so you can get rehired twice yeah maybe you can get rehired by talking about uc baseball just just when i think you couldn't have messed up anymore you go and do something like this and totally redeem yourself <laughs> way to go ed um what about uh hey ed have you have you heard anything about maybe uc swimming golf lacrosse soccer anything like that i did hurt hear about uh jr smith and his golf uh golf outing it doesn't today. have to do with uc it doesn't and moving on you're right i'm sorry I-
I know Aaron had a lot that he wanted to. I do. Oh, hold on, real quick. I want to publicly uh, apologize to Justin uh, for questioning his Friday Night Lights knowledge. For some reason, when he said voodoo, I thought of Booby Miles, and that was from the movie. Voodoo was in the TV show, so Justin, I publicly apologize for that. Um, And if I need to, you you know, you should you should also tweet out that apology after the show. I will. Yep. But from your personal account, not from the PTP account, because the whole show doesn't apologize for your lack of knowledge. Okay, it wasn't a lack of knowledge. It was just an ADHD kicked in. We also, as a show, though, we should apologize for whatever happened with your camera again and the noises coming from your computer. I do apologize for that as well. I have no clue what's up with this camera tonight. All right, so. Fair enough. We've all seen the the memes, the gifts that keep popping up. before we address the fact that Twitter, Bearcats Twitter has been completely taken over by former players, which has been maybe the crowning gem of oh. Bearcats Twitter history. It's Thank beautiful. you, Travis Kelsey. So we'll get to that. But I'm more sick and tired of seeing this 42 nothing bullshit that keeps coming from Ohio State fans that are ranked three spots below Cincinnati. I'm tired of seeing... Which team's the best team in the country? Uh, probably the team that's ranked number three and hasn't lost a game. Like, when can we get respect? And why are we talking about, oh, Ohio State would dog walk you? What? Where? On offense, we're number nine in the country on points scored per game. Number nine. On defense, because we're number two in the country. And, you know, the, the argument that – Ohio State would dog walk us is because two years ago we lost a game 42 to nothing. Congratulations, you won a game. Um, Ohio State lost to Oregon just, what, three weeks ago, four weeks ago? At home, at home against mm-hmm. Oregon, they Correct. lost a game. And now their team is so different. They're so different, guys. They're so different. They would never lose that game again. We'll take Oregon every – okay, fine. Who, who have they Why are we allowed – why aren't we allowed to be different from two years ago? No. Only Ohio State's allowed to be different? Get out of here, man. Here, here's my favorite is they they want to bring up two years ago, 42 to nothing, right? So then you say, well, let's go back and look. Okay, so the number one team in the country right now is the George Bulldogs, right? And yep. uh, I think it took a last-second uh what fifty-five yard field goal? Yep. To uh, to in a, beat in a UC. Dome. And, and and let let's be honest, UC dominated that game. Yep, they really did. And we talked about it at the beginning of the year. And I don't want to like open up old wounds or anything, but they they dominated that game. And so the la- the last team to give Georgia a, a run for their money, and you may have. Uh, was it you that said that, or was it one I, of the I, other guys on the radio show today that you were the, on? The, the, one, of, one of the guys on the radio did bring so that the, up. So the last team to give mm-hmm. Georgia any fits was the Cincinnati Bearcats, and the last team to give the Cincinnati Bearcats any fits was the Georgia Bulldogs. They're hmm. a different team than the 42 to nothing team, right? Well, I, we're Are not we allowed to say that. Only, only Ohio State has a different team from two years ago. I mean, are we... Like I, so, it's a lazy you, take. It's yeah, a lazy it's, take. It's horrible. Yep. It's a horrible take to say that we can't look at a game in January of this year with a team that was essentially the same, except that we were missing all Americans on defense. 
and say that we're not worthy of being where we are or worthy of being the you know spoken of as the best team in Ohio right now. Sorry, we don't have a loss and we've played some good teams. And shout you, out to Go ahead. Shout out to 990 WBOB for having me on their show today. I did a 15 minute spot talking about Cincinnati and and that was that was great. But yeah, they were the ones who brought that up earlier and it's just when when does this end? Like are we going to still bring this up like you're never coming to Nippert because y'all are scared to play at Nippert. I, I know you came to Paul Brown, but that's because Different. you weren't ready to play in a 40,000 ticket stadium where it's going to be vastly Cincinnati Bearcats and not Buckeyes filling up all the extra tickets that the Bearcats aren't buying. Like, I mean, I'll it's I'll just a this. tired take, man. I've got I've got a very very good friend who is a huge Ohio State fan. He went to Ohio State. His wife went to Ohio State. I've attended uh, an Ohio State game with him up there. I mean, he he's a huge Ohio State fan. At least he's a fan who actually he, went there. He he was at Nip at Night against Temple. So I sent him a message. I asked him like like straight up. I said how how was the atmosphere? How was your experience? What did you think? And he he said. Hey, I understand there's only, you know, 30, I think there was like, what, 38,000 or something they had there. there like, so it was 30, reported 38,000, but then there were apparently a bunch of people who said that they got in through the fifth third where they weren't scanning tickets, apparently. I don't, I don't really okay, actually so know. So let's, let's round it to 40. Somewhere, somewhere between 38 and 40 is so, fair. And, and, you know, he, he said he was impressed. He you know was impressed with what he saw. He was impressed with the players. He's been, you know, we always go back and forth on our little group chats, um, and he's been impressed with UC. He's also not one of those people that you know wants to turn around and point to a, a two-year-old result and say, "Oh, look at this!" Like that, you know. There's no way UC can hang because you know he thinks and understands because, that, because that's where the conversation's over, right? It's 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 lazy. If you if your if your argument is two years ago we beat you forty-two to nothing, then you can go ahead and and walk out the door. Like I don't want to talk to you. If you don't want to, like, I'll have a conversation with, with anybody. And I think Mo Egger brought that up a couple weeks ago when he was on for our 100th. He's like, look, I'll talk to anybody. As long as you're not, like, you know, being completely ridiculous and, and not wanting to have a conversation. Correct. Well, and of course, yeah. it's Twitter. So no one's actually trying to have a conversation. Everybody's right in their own opinion. And nobody's ever wrong. And uh, Twitter's accessible. It's a but Ohio State fans right now, cannot stand. I, I love ranked, it so much, but it's a but, but right now, UC is ranked third, and Correct. there's no one else from the state of Ohio ranked above them. So, you know, put that in your pipe and smoke it. There is that. It, it's it's just it's Ohio State fans are just upset whenever there's a team in the in the state that is better than them. Or having it's any same. kind of success, or like potentially it, better it's than basketball. I mean, it's, just, it's it's everything. It's the same reason why Ohio State would never agree to Cincinnati being in their Big Ten conference. Like we all know that they don't want Cincinnati being in the Big Ten. It's the same reason I went to Wright State, and when I went to Wright State, Wright State when it first started in 1967, they were the conjoined universities of Miami University and Ohio State University before they became Wright State. When they became Wright State in 1967, Maybe it was 69. Either way. Um, 
they made Wright State sign an agreement to never have a football team for 100 years because they couldn't stand the thought of another team in the state of Ohio vying for recruits with them. That's absurd. It's it's paranoid and it's ridiculous. So I don't know, man. That's I agree. I don't want to talk about it. I'm so tired of it. That's history with Aaron. That was actually a really good history lesson. Thank you for that. It was. I was. I was. I'm impressed. I was impressed. Now let me drop some knowledge. Uh oh. And I know that this was talked about uh, a little bit last night on the BBP, and it uh, frustrates me. Chad, you need to move the BB. Tell them that they need to move the BBP to the end of the week so that they don't. He already uh, has an end of the week pod. Well, then terminate the BBP. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Kill Aaron. No. So. It was it was brought up last night on there and it it hurt my soul a little because I've been thinking about it because as a runner myself and someone that always hears you know like we talk about people being fast um and then people want to talk about like you know elite speed so and Aaron himself brought up that you know, is this the beginning of the end for Durham Ford is he you know is this possibly his swan song with UC mm-hmm. um and when when he broke off on that run and he was clocked at, I believe, 22.75 miles per hour is what was put out. Okay. Well, it was, it was 22.75. I've rounded up. It's fine. Okay. Well, I'm not in the business of rounding up right now. Ooh. Uh, 20, 20, only because it makes, it makes this point a little hit home a little bit more. Okay. Okay. So you're talking about him, you know, and I, I think uh, Brent maybe brought up last night, like, you know, that makes you know NFL scouts, or maybe it was Chad that brought up you know NFL scouts see that and they're oh let me write this down on this guy. Yeah, their eyebrows raised, sure. So last year, who do, when you think about the NFL, who do you think is the fa- like one of the fastest guys that comes to mind? Tyreek Hill, Cheetah. Okay, the fastest recorded speed for Tyreek Hill in his NFL career is twenty two point six miles an hour. Wow. That's crazy. Jerome Ford ran 22.75, which I believe is faster. Well, I'm just, I'm curious as to how quickly Tyreek Hill gets to that speed as opposed to Jerome Ford. That's also true. But if he gets to that speed faster, I'm just saying, so his, his fastest record is 22.6. We all, and that's, so out of people that carried a ball, uh, Raheem uh, Mostert from the 49ers. Mostert, yeah. So he recorded a 23.09 uh, last year. Uh, he also had a 22.73, but those were the two fastest times recorded in the NFL last year. And maybe it's because Jerome Ford is built the way that he is built that he doesn't ever look like he's moving that fast. Like, even if you go back and rewatch the replay, yeah. he doesn't. he doesn't ever in that entire replay that he broke off that huge run doesn't ever look like he's moving the way that Tyreek Hill moves, which Correct. is insane. But I, I just wonder if that's because he's just built stockier. And well, and that's the thing. So you've got a guy who, cause like when you think of Jerome Ford, you think of a guy that runs North and South mm-hmm. moves people out of the way and gets where he wants to go. Yeah. He, his legs are always moving. He, we saw that, you know, especially against some of the goal line stands against uh, Notre Dame. And, and then when you add on top of that, the fact that he was able to reach almost 23 miles an hour. It's wild. 
That's insanity. Uh, and then just a, a side note, uh, if you remember when DK Metcalf chased, uh, I forget who it was, but he chased, you remember the play last year? Where he uh, chased Baker. Yeah. Okay. He chased it. He hit uh, 22.64 miles an hour uh, chasing that guy down. Okay. So again, still slower than our boy Jerome Ford. Jeff, I'm also glad- a fantastic I- interview if you've watched any of those. Jeff, I'm glad you're here because our, our, our friend on Twitter, Michael Boston, tweeted today, and I'm actually wondering this. Um, does Jerome Ford get a ticket if he's just sprinting in a school zone? No. Okay. Because if he goes 22 <laughs> but, miles but per I did, hour and it's I, 20. I did, I did, though, compare the uh, that speed with uh, Usain Bolt, and Usain Bolt uh, has hit uh, 27 miles an hour, That's 27 miles an hour plus. So when you talk about elite speed, like you look at stuff like that, but, you know. That's crazy. As far as the NFL goes, in the last two years, that 22.75 from Jerome Ford uh, would put him in the, the top, we'll just say top five, even though it's like the top two. All right. So switching topics, 48 hours ago, Travis Kelsey was on Sunday Night Football. Oh, here we go. And on Sunday Night Football, he has never, to my knowledge, ever said, or on any night football starting lineup, he has never said, Travis Kelsey, University of Cincinnati. He always goes to his high school. Now, that said, caught some blowback because everybody's mad about everything on social media anymore. Because if you're not mad on social media, what are you doing? Not if you're not mad on social media, what are you doing? Well, that all said, hang on, hang on. Let me set this up. Shit, I'm sorry. We'll get get to where we're going. He then gets done with the game and changes his profile picture, which creates a giant. Like I've never seen anything like this as far as an entire Twitter group that I'm a part of. I mean, I feel like I'm a part of some different Twitter groups. Um, Red's Twitter, Bengals Twitter, Bearcats Twitter, Conspiracy Theory Twitter. That shouldn't surprise anybody. Twitter, Twitter. But it just totally took off this huge movement, and it's been super exciting to see all of these guys come out of the woodwork even, like guys that I've never even seen to even follow uh, that are ex-Bearcats, and now here they are. Uh, They're not just doing it on – Twitter. They're also the guys who don't have Twitter. They're doing it on Instagram. And some people are, you know, creating threads for the Instagram and Facebook, the non-Twitter users on Twitter. And it's just been really fantastic to see. It's really cool to see these these guys coming back to more or less support the university. I got to imagine the recruiting team loves seeing this because why wouldn't you? Oh, it's amazing. it's, It's free recruiting. Oh, it's, it's literally free recruiting for everything that you're trying to do. So congrats to, you know, Pat Lambert, Max Steinegger, and those guys on not having to do anything, but just Travis Kelsey posting a picture that took off this way. Um, and then even an hour ago, Travis Kelsey just tweeted, um, we're taking over once a Bearcat, always a Bearcat, you see forever. And it's, I don't think it had anything to do with any type of vitriol that Travis Kelsey has with the University of Cincinnati. He's gone out of his way to tweet at, you know, recruits that were being recruited this this year. And 
I, I just don't understand so, the immediate Travis Kelsey hate. So this started a couple it's... weeks ago on Facebook, Bearcat Facebook. There was somebody who posted uh, during the it was a Sunday night football game, maybe. That's why I didn't know about it because yeah, Facebook, Facebook is worse than Twitter. So he uh. tweet he he gets on there and he's like, "Why does Travis Kelsey hate the university?" I'm like, for, and I got on there right away. I was like, first of all, he doesn't hate the university. Where are you getting that information? Oh, well, he only says his high school." He's always said his high school, just like Aaron said a minute right. ago. So that whole thing started like oh, like two weeks ago. But even even after I took a screenshot of Travis, you know, posting that and threw it up there, they're still like, nope, he still hates the university. The university needs to take care of this now. I'm like, what in the hell is wrong? What does with that this? even mean? They think the university needs to reach out to him and be like, hey, man, uh, just wondering, you know, uh, why you're not talking about us when you're saying your name? Maybe you could do that. Like, it's not, I mean, this isn't the Kenyon Martin thing back when they fired Bob Huggins. Like, Kenyon Martin always said he was from University of Cincinnati. University fires Bob Huggins, and now he starts saying he's from his high school in Texas. But that's a completely different situation. Travis Kelsey does not hate the University of Cincinnati. He loves... When he scores his touchdowns, he does the UC. I mean, this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen on social media. Actually, it's not, but it's close to. Well, the clapback of him simply changing his profile picture. Without a word. It's amazing. Didn't, I mean, and maybe maybe he called some guys or maybe he sent a text to a couple guys. But the fact that, I mean, the he majority... created a movement. The majority, a movement. The majority of these people that are changing their profile pictures didn't right? play with him didn't play with him exactly they weren't they they were there before him they were there or after, after. I mean, it was it was, right i mean it 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 literally because some of some of these people. pictures are so out of focus that you know they're from like <laughs> the 80s i mean it's the it's, it's a crazy span and then it's uh it's there's at, people for other sports there's people from other sports at I UC saw, saw, doing it. I saw it. some random. It was a random like baseball player. Yep. Like, that I, I don't even know like who it is. Like tweeted their picture and was like, you know, all sports in for at go Bearcats, you know, football yeah. or whatever. Like it. This is the it's, best it's thing fantastic. that could ever happen. And like you said, the the recruiting reach of what this does is insanity. It's infinite. Oh, it's like beautiful. You can't you can't put a price on it no. because. You couldn't have done a better thing if you had tried. Like this, the, the stuff that happens organically like this is a thing of beauty. It's it's, it's damn near artwork. Yeah. And I hope that I hope somebody's collecting all of these pictures and makes one of those like collages. They did. Where it it's well no where that where it like changes the picture, but you have all the little pictures oh, okay. in the picture. Do you know what I mean? Like, I hope I hope uh, somebody's like a UC or something. Yeah, yeah like yeah, that'd something be, that'd be, that'd be, or or, oh, or awesome. Nipper or whatever. Like, make something with all of these pictures because that would be like just the icing on the cake. Hey, really? Tweet that out. For I, the I account. can tell you that that at Cincy C I N C Y Football L C, which I didn't know existed. He's, he's got the thread that has is, all of the the well, non. It's, it's the official Cincinnati Varsity Football Alumni Organization. Okay, I didn't know that existed before, I didn't before all this happened. When this happened, I started seeing like all these like retweets popping up and like you know people liking it, and it shows up right. on your feed. So I saw this group, and I'm like, well, I mean, they're gonna get a follow right now. So like, I hit and then, <laughs> and then and then that that person, whoever is running that account, is doing a fantastic job of not only retweeting all of those, 
but going on to Facebook and Instagram and where what other ever other social media sites these guys are using to change their picture and collecting them and then and putting the 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 tweets out and um there's there's one oh I take that back the Cincinnati Bearcats uh official Twitter go at go Bearcats put out has, a gif uh, has one right now that is just a a a like a flip book of all the pic- yeah. of all these pictures just scrolling. Michael through. made that. That's yeah, how Michael made that. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And then they just yeah. went out and tweeted about an hour ago the uh, Pro Bowl game with uh, Andy Dalton and Travis in it, and Travis doing the UC. Like he does not hate. It's it's ridiculous. That's just people that are like that want to nitpick or want to like yeah. start some kind of like. It's people silly, who- silly line of, of thought. It's people that are, I, I'm going to say it, they're just casual fans. They're not real oh, for sure. Cincinnati fans. It's, it's people who don't have business that have to get into other people's business, business. To, to have business. And what's wrong, what's wrong with the man representing his high school at the highest level of his sport? Nothing wrong with that. I would I would not do that with Northwest. But. I might. I mean, yeah, you, you do you. But if he was like... Who cares if he wants to say his elementary school up there? I don't care what Travis Kelsey has done for this university. You can't put a dollar amount on. No, it's before what he did on Sunday. Exactly. So it's it's been a thing of beauty to see happen in real time. Um, I, again, just absolutely love that it was just Travis Kelsey changing the profile picture that set off this entire wave. Also, I'm sure it has something to do with the fact that UC football is currently standing at number three. Right after the announcement. Correct. Um, I'm also going back to my tweet from last night. I'm still waiting for Connor Barwin to change his, but for it to be the basketball. He did. No, he wanted the basketball. I wanted the basketball one. Oh, man. (laughs) I he mean, kind of liked it. it. I thought he, I thought he might do it for a brief second, but I thought you know, so too. He... Well, let's see what basketball can do and see if Connor will change it at that point in time. That would be hilarious if we did that. Tom, Tom will tell. So, who would be the one who been... starts it? It would have to huh? be someone like who would be the one who starts it. It would have to be somebody like Kenyon or Corey or Nick. Nick. Yeah, maybe Ruben or. Um, um, that's what you want to stay away from. Yeah, sorry, voice. Steve. Sorry, sorry, Steve Logan or somebody like that. So, we'll see. Cincinnati Bengals played a game on Sunday Did against they? the Green Bay Packers. Jesus. How'd it go? And if you <laughs> thought that Cincinnati was having some kicking issues, you ain't seen nothing yet. Because the Bearcats are not the only ones having some kicking issues. Good gracious. The Bengals also had some kicking issues. Maybe there's something in the water right now. Who knows? But I hope it's gone real soon. I think, I think it was more there was something in the air, and it's called wind, and it was whipping. Big that's time. A, that's an excellent transition. I'm proud of you. <laughs> Thanks, Aaron. I've been working <laughs> on it. So the Bengals played... And what were your takeaways watching the game? Um, look, I don't like to like throw a whole, like every hot take out in the world. Um, I don't mind. I, it. I, I just I, I feel like there gets a, a point in time where you need to 
trust the guy that's under center. Um, and, and I realize, look, you, you spent a fifth round draft pick on a kicker. You expect him to be able to do everything under the sun. Uh, when you see that a game is developing the way that it was, where kicking was clearly difficult, it's not like Green Bay has a, um, a, a bad kicker, right? Right. AC Crosby's a pretty good kicker. Um, I know he's had his struggles throughout his career, whatever, here and there, uh, maybe like his second year. Um, but you've got a rookie kicker and you get to a, a couple of positions where maybe you can force the ball, I don't know, three inches further to get closer, get yourself a new set of downs and, and move, you know, into, I don't know, like 30, 35 yards. I don't know, maybe 20, 25 yards. Um, may, maybe you take take that risk. Well, so here's a question I'll pose to you as you're saying that. In the very first game of the season against the Vikings, we went for it on our, on our side of the 50-yard line yes. on fourth down, and we didn't get that fourth down. And the Vikings got the ball with a very short field. I feel like Zach Taylor has been playing timid with fourth down since then. And we saw several opportunities where he could have flexed. He, he did. He, he he did try and go for it on a fourth down and, and came up short. Or no, I take that back. It was a, it was a third down when he came up early in the game when uh, when they did the quarterback sneak trying to get the first down and didn't get it. Um, they they ended up punting and punted it through the end zone at that point in time. But do you think he's playing timid because he didn't get that fourth down in game one? Like maybe it came from the front office. Maybe it came from just, I, I didn't get that that time. So now I, I can't do it. I just think, I think that uh, there are times when we've seen it and we've heard it in the, in the post game press conferences where, you know, they ask burrow about a big play. Right. And, and he's like, well, XYZ is why I went with what I went with and you know I made the call and and it turned out well. The jailbreak never... screen the jailbreak screen to Ozama as my prime example of everything ever with Joe Burrow and his big brain. Um They're know, never gonna give you the whole truth in a in a post game presser. Right. No. But when when you've got somebody like Joe Burrow who has look that that's who you're hitching your wagon to as an organization. Right. Yes, Jamar Chase is great. Yes, Tyler Boyd is great. The, you know, all these guys are are potential big time stars, right? But every organization hitches their wagon to their quarterback and says, "You know, take us to the promised land." Mm-hmm. When you've when you've got a guy like Joe Burrow, you know, let, let's go back to the Ravens game a few weeks ago when they look at Lamar and they're like. You want to go for it. You want to go for it. You want to do this. Let's do this. And he does it. They win the game. Great story. Right. Rest is history. Right. Right now, the Bengals and everybody says it. Look, the, the Bengals are rebuilding right now. Right. They're they're trying mm-hmm. to put together a, a team that's going to you know, challenge for hopefully Super Bowl soon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right now is when when you can see what they're made of. Let, let's we're fourth and in inches. In overtime of a game where a guy like Mason Crosby has missed a couple field goals, you know, there's been some issues with the kicking game on both sides of the, the field. Go ahead. Hey, 
I know nobody wants to lose a game, but let's lose a game when we say, here you go, Joe. Here are the keys. Here are the keys to the family car. You know, take Don't us to it. dinner. Take us to dinner. Let's go. And, and let's see what he calls. You know, if he gets up there and he sees somebody, he's like, uh, you know, at least try and call him off sides. You know, see if they see if you get him to jump. I don't know. I know that's not as likely in the NFL, but have you been impressed with the offense this year? I I think it goes back to what you said. I think it's too. I think a lot of times it's too timid. So, and I don't know if that comes from the fact that they don't trust their offensive line. Yeah. When I mean they they've performed probably ab- above what some folks expected. thought they would, but they did go out and get pieces. Right, they they got some guys, and, and they've they dropped the you know. I mean, Jamar Chase, six catches, 159 yards, and a touchdown. He's right. he's the clear cut rookie of the year candidate right now. There are only two players under the age of 21 that have done what he has done so far this year. It's him and Randy Moss. Him and Randy Moss, and I'm not saying that he's the next Randy Moss because that's a that's pretty that's a, high bar to jump over. It's a tall order, right? But. That means that he's probably not that bad. But I mean, as I'm look- he's at least catching balls. Right? I'm looking at I'm looking at the rest of the stats though, and tell me if you think this is a good offense. P. Ryan, eleven carries, fifty nine yards. Mixon, ten carries, thirty three yards. Burrow, three carries, eleven yards. Higgins, five catches, thirty two yards. P. Ryan, four catches, twenty four yards. Boyd, four catches, twenty four yards. Uzama, two catches, sixteen yards. Evans, two catches, 15 yards, and it gets worse from there. Like, what are we doing? We're supposed to have all these weapons, and it's just Burrow and Chase. That's it. So I saw I saw a little there, and I can't remember for the life of me who tweeted out. It was a couple, it was a couple of photos of um the Packers defense when um when the Bengals were in uh had an empty backfield versus when they had, you know, like a, a running back back there. And they, they, just didn't, they just didn't believe that the Bengals were going to go for anything deep. Well, and I saw another tweet where they were breaking down film and it's like when they had this one formation, they're running it 80% of the time and they're running it one specific direction, 60% of the time. Um, I, I believe it's to an outside tackle at the, at that point in time. Um, it's just what are we, what are we doing? Why is Zach Taylor still calling the offense? It's like yeah. they were, uh, they know. I mean, everything the Bengals have been doing has been, you know, these quick, these little like quick passes, these quick hitters. Like you've got to stretch the field, and I understand you, there are a lot of other things that need to happen to be able to stretch the field. But correct, n- right now, no one is, even though Jamar Chase, I think, can probably run away from just about anybody. Mm-hmm. And, and there can be a lot of, um, you know, chances to get him the ball. But before that even develops, the ball's already dumped off short or, you know, they fall back on, you know, run, 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 punt. Aaron Rodgers, and, Aaron Rodgers and Joe Burrow threw the ball almost identical. Aaron Rodgers, 27 of 39. Joe Burrow, 26 of 38. Aaron Rodgers, 344 yards. Joe Burrow, 281 yards. It's a difference of 63 yards, man. That's a lot when you're talking about – I mean, that's that's field goal range at the very least on a, an entire possession. Yeah. 
So I, I, I guess I feel like they're being very conservative uh, to it kind comes- of echo to echo your point where they're being timid on on offense. And I just don't know. I don't believe that that Zach Taylor's on the hot seat because I think he's created quite the locker room at this point in time. Um, it feels far less toxic than it's felt in years. Uh, the guys are still saying and doing the right things. They, they, they're still happy. Um, and I, I feel like that's a big thing here in Cincinnati, which should be just like a normal thing in other cities, but here it's different. But at what point do you take that away as the, upper brass and say, Zach, you're done. You're not a good play caller. You're not calling the shots anymore. And you need to let Brian Callahan do that because he's your offensive coordinator. What else is he doing? Well, I mean, I, I think that that comes all the way back full circle to like what you were saying earlier about, you know, the Bengals don't even have three scouts. They, they do things their way. They don't, you know, Things are things do appear to be changing within the organization, and yes. I am in no way like you know, bashing them. But but at, at some point, you know, some some of the cords need to be clipped, and they need to say like, "Look, you you've got a guy like Joe Burrow who is probably what essentially coming out of his rookie season right now because so you know he played part of last year, he's played part of this year, and now he's kind of had as many games as you would have if you played your rookie season." Sure give or take maybe one or two uh, at some point, a guy like that, that you are saying is the future of the franchise. I, I, w- I would almost be okay with maybe the rest of the year saying, look, Joe, it, it's your offense. Here's kind of the game plan we want to put together. And when you get out there, <laughs> you call have at it. Yes. Audible every play to what you want to do. And and let's see where that gets us. Might be better than than Zach Taylor. And maybe and and here's the thing: is like maybe maybe Zach Taylor can do a great job if if he because he he does make some aggressive calls at some points. Stay aggressive. And I'm not saying anybody needs to be fired right now. No, like, not at all. I, I, I was not a Lou Anarumo guy prior to this oh. season. I thought he needed to go. I think I thought he was. I he, think a lot he, of people were in that boat, Aaron. I thought he was the bad apple. And he is, no no pun intended, because Eli Apple has turned out to be an actual good acquisition at this point in time, considering he's still cornerback four, Ed. Cornerback four. Um, but he, uh, only because Trey Waynes can't get on the field, is he being I did, I did see where Trey Waynes is going to end up missing some more time. He's going to be on the IR going forward, and that's unfortunate for a guy that costs a lot of money. And this is why the Bengals are traditionally hesitant. Like, I'm, I'm worried that this might be a move that sets them back the wrong direction for going after free agent acquisitions. But I wasn't a Lou Anarumo guy. Lou Anarumo has finally gotten his pieces in place, and I feel like he's finally getting the defense to gel in a way that he's always kind of wanted it to. And I think that's because they didn't take the big swings on some of the more expensive pieces that they could have with like trying to bring, bring William Jackson, the third back, trying to bring um, the defensive end uh, that went to the jets back. I can't remember his name right now off the top of my head. I'm sorry. The guy who was here last year, defensive end. Uh, I don't, Went to the Jets, got injured immediately. Bobby Hart? 
No, the guy that we almost had on the podcast. Oh, 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 Carl Lawson. Thank you. Welcome. So, I don't know. I just, I want to see this Bengals team succeed. And I don't want it to be because the head coach held them back from success. So, what are you seeing when you watch the game, man? So, I only got to watch the uh, end of the fourth quarter and then OT because I had a soccer game. Um, but I did go back and watch some of the highlights, and I am still a little worried. I mean, I'm not extremely worried. You know, like you said earlier, uh, I am still a little bit worried about that offensive line. I mean, he's hurt again. Uh, I guess he took a chop. Or some people are saying it was possibly a concussion that gave him this throat concussion. Contusion? Contusion. Um, well, the funny part about that, though, was was Jamar Chase in the postgame presser when they're asking him, like, did you talk to Joe after the game? And he's like, yeah. And they're like, did he sound funny? Did he did he talk the rest of the game after he had his throat contusion? He's like, what throat Like, basically, like, what are you talking about? He talked fine. He was still barking out stuff, like, at no point in time. And they're like, did you talk to him after the game, though? And he's like, yeah. We talked about what we're going to do different next week. And so I'm like, they're – it was all precautionary. Is yeah, really, what it came down to. They just didn't want to say concussion, I guess. Um, it I, I, was that even. I do agree. There was a there was a there was a point in overtime. Uh, it was like fourth and one, and they kicked it again, another like fifty yard field goal, and it was missed again. That they could have probably they probably could have given the Joe Mixon the ball and ran it and got a first down and tried to get a little bit closer. Um, Who's injured? I mean, it could have been P Ryan, maybe. Yeah, I mean, it could have been Samaje. Mixon did get the touchdown earlier in the game, so he wasn't like all the way injured, but they right. were still being cautious with him. But yes, I on. think he they got. I think he got caught up in the back and forth kickers missing and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, okay, fourth down, send the kicker out again. Um, I do think I, I don't have any worries about um, the kicker whose name is all of a sudden escaping me. Evan McPherson. McPherson, thank you, idiot. Uh, I don't have any worries about him. Again, he's a rookie. He, I mean, he, those balls. Shut up. Those balls all had the length on them. Like they, they all had the force on them. They could, they could have gone through. Just again, I think we hired big ass fans to bring a fan in this week, and they put it in the wrong spot, and it just kicked the ball to the left. I also kind of think. Well, I guess it wasn't, but um, I don't have any worries about him. He, he'll be fine. I, I don't know. It just kind of puts a little bit of a damper on the whole, you know, the Steelers win, um, the Jacksonville win. Hopefully this week we can come out and, and kind of, you know, Ravens pick that momentum won. back up. Yeah. I mean, sure. but he, here, here's the question I'll pose to you is if at the beginning of this year, maybe even over the summer, if, you know, somebody says like, you're going to have the Green Bay Packers on the ropes. And I know, like, I hate moral victories, and I know, like, coaches will always say that and all those kinds of things, but, like, at least it shows that the Bengals are trending in the right direction. Yeah, 100%. Right? 100%. They, 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 they didn't struggle with the Indianapolis Colts. PFT has us ranked number 10 in their power rankings. I mean, there's somebody else in the division. The, with, a, a lot with of things. An, with an offense of... that's buttering right now. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a lot. A lot to look at, and like, you know, as a Cincinnati fan, saying like, "Oh, yeah, there's always next year." Yeah. Um, I really, I don't feel like it's that kind of situation. I feel like it's a, this is, like I said earlier, this is a like, you know, they're rebuilding things, they're putting 
they're kind of trying to change the whole culture of things. And maybe this could have happened a little earlier if, if Burrow had been able to play all of last season. Exactly. Um, unfortunately, been- he couldn't because, uh, you know, they had guys like me playing offensive line, apparently. Um, but right now, they're they're trending in, in a positive direction. There's a lot of positivity coming out of, of the locker room. And, and the NFL, sometimes I feel like there's a... When things aren't going well, there's not a fake, like, we're all happy, we're all friends, you know, next week's going to be better uh, coming out of the locker room. You know, like, I feel like a lot of times you've got people that are just, you know, they either don't meet with the media, they don't say anything, there's no tweets that are coming out that are positive. Um, and, and you've got guys that are like, hey, you know, on to next week, we're... Yeah, we're looking. We're looking forward. We're looking up, and uh, you know, we're happy with where we're at right now. Moving, moving on, and uh, yeah. I, I think I, I look for some big things out of this team for the rest of the year. And I, I did predict that they would have probably eight or nine wins, and I think that's probably a, a pretty fair assessment at this point. Yeah, I like well, what you said year- earlier about about uh, Joe. You know, didn't get to finish out the season last year. These could be the growing pains that we're seeing right now. That last game, I guess, could be the growing pains that we were supposed to see halfway through the season last year, but unfortunately he didn't get injured. So, I mean, we Joe's half a year behind, if you want to kind of look at it that way, but I don't, I, I'm not hitting that panic button yet. Like I'm not ready to like you know, sell my jerseys and all that kind of stuff yet. I mean, I'm still, I'm still interested in buying a uh, Bengals Jersey this year. I mean, if that tells you anything, uh, cause you remember Aaron, uh, you remember two years ago, I was on the Browns train. It was what? gross. Yeah. I, well, I, I, did that happen for real? It was like on the show. Week. It was like for a week. Do you, yeah. do you have? Did you? We buy, had, you we had, bought a Baker Mayfield jersey, didn't you? I was a big Baker Ed Mayfield was in the fan. Concussion protocol. He was in the concussion protocol. Like, did he have a throat contusion? <laughs> maybe. Um, that all said, the Chat Bengals have Detroit me. next week. So if there was a week that you wanted to try calling the offensive shots with someone else. Next week is the week to do it. What did Tony Pike call that kind of week? A get-right week. Yeah, exactly. I'm just saying, like, if if there was ever a week that you wanted to let Brian Callahan run the show, let's see what you got. It can't be worse, to no. be honest. Tell Joe that it's his show. Give him the keys to the Ferrari. Whatever the it is, like, hand. Change, you, you have to change something to get right. So let's let's figure it out. As we're still talking about the Bengals, though, I do want to bring up there was some conversation this week on social media about this podium <laughs> that was a a it was a TV cart from the 1990s that was wheeled out. And do you all see an issue with this? As it is clearly not where they normally do press conferences. It was outside where they set up shop on the fly. And whether that's a normal spot or not, how do you feel about this this dusty TV cart that they rolled out as a podium? I mean, I, I think Ed's boy, Pat McAfee, addressed that. It's, he said it was like a substitute teacher's TV cart. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I have expected a, a television set to be brought out and sat on it with, like, the Magic School Bus on it or LeVar Burton and Reading Rainbow. Like the tube uh, TV, though, not, not, not a flat screen or anything oh, like that. I like mean, it would be a, a, like a, the full tube TV. Yes. There it is. There it is. There it is. This, this is what we're talking about here. 
Like they fashion. Um, Wait a minute. Time out. Time out. Time out. Time out. That is actually okay. The microphone's not attached to the TV cart. That's correct. Okay, yeah, I thought behind it. Why would it be? I I thought they fashioned something together. I thought they no, said, man. "Hey, we they, need it." And they found they, the they, they engineers. They essentially brought this thing out so that they could set their cell phones on it. Yeah, is, is what correct. it looks like. Oh, but it does look like if you're looking like over here, it look it does look like like Pat said that they did this underneath the bridge. I mean, All obviously, I think that's the that's the probably the entrance tunnel into right. you know the bottom of Paul Brown, which is just it's just weird that it was there. Um, uh, who knows what what was going on that made that happen? Um, I would I would I would venture to say if you uh, get rid of the backdrop and you add whatever else is in the background anywhere that you're having these types of just impromptu conferences. Or, or pressers, if you will. It, why would it be impromptu? I just don't. Listen, I, I don't I don't have that answer. But my point is, I've been in, you know, UC where they do their pressers, and it's not. I don't know. It's yeah, not. You see, like, time, yeah, you see yeah, it all I mean, the time, like always... in basketball, like they'll do a, the presser outside the locker room and in like you know the hallway or something like that. You see that all the time. It's just weird it's to have never that at like Paul Brown Stadium. An awesome, but it's it's never like in the most awesome of places. Like it's usually a part of the locker room where you have some storage going on somewhere, or like. And they cover it up with the with a nice the, backdrop. Yeah, correct. And they usually so, roll at least a wooden podium out. Well, there is that. With a logo on the front of it. Something. I mean, we <laughs> not, not Miss Frizzle's TV cart. <laughs> I have I have one of those TV carts. We used to have them at the office, and they put them in the basement one day. And you stole and an, it? What, there was an area that said free. Like, they were getting rid of a bunch of stuff. <laughs> and I grabbed it, and I brought it home, because I thought I was going to put it in the basement. And put. And you sold it to the Bengals for $20. <laughs> this, no, this one is nicer. Um, and, and I put... <laughs> I put my miter saw on it. <laughs> this one's a lot nicer. This one, this one has angles and stuff on it. it has three shelves. It, that, it, that just means that it's dusted. Truthfully, oh, no. Man. I'll take a picture right. of it later and tweet it. I mean, I mean, it's obviously, it's obviously not like. I mean, I'm, it, not, if, I'm not upset about it though. Like, who cares? Yeah. Truthfully, who cares? It's a place I mean, to set your cell phone <laughs> and to have a, a quick conference. Yeah, but I mean, but my thing is like you're a you know you're a professional organization. Like, who cares? That's, that's the problem. Why do you, why do you need? What's the it's, problem? It's, it's not a graduation. It's a quick. It's a quick conversation between the guy who doesn't want to have this conversation and the reporters who also don't want to have this conversation. So but they're all there. It's, Let's not it's even the fact have a podium or a microphone. Who Thank cares? you. Just the whole thing's stupid. The whole thing's stupid. It's, it's a giant dog and pony show. Who cares? It's it's the fact that the the Bengals are the organization that doesn't spend money, and then they pull this out and and throw that out there. That's that's just the part that made it like huge, right? Like, oh, the Bengals don't have a dome. The Bengals. It, but I poverty say, organization. Well, blah, that's the rent. We have spent money the this Bengals year. Bengals win the Super Bowl. They wheel out that cart <laughs> and the microphone and like you know a, a half sheet of like you know Bengals logos behind the guy with like some the storage and like maybe all the old helmets or something like in a trash can behind them. Black mold in the corner. It's fine. Right. Yeah, like who cares? And they're just all up there in t-shirts and shorts and they're like, "Yay, we won!" Like, Elizabeth Blackburn, tell us about winning the Super Bowl. All right. So the last topic I want to touch before we get out of here. The Reds, um, some interesting news came out today. 
Um, I know that there's not a whole lot going on with the Reds right now since they are out of the playoffs for the what feels like the 40th year in a row. I don't know when they're going to be good again. That all said, um, Nick Cassianos, his contract has been a huge talking point for the offseason. And it came out today that if he opts out of his what was a very strangely structured deal, which had an opt-out in year one, he opted back in after the COVID year, opt-out in year two, which we'll see if he opts back in or not, and then two additional years thereafter. That all said, uh, they can place a... The, qualifying the, uh, offer. Yeah. Thank you. The, the, the QC or the QO, the, the qualifying offer on him for what appears to be about $2.8 million, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so it's not bad. If he signs somewhere else, the Reds get, I believe, a third-round pick back in compensation if he does sign somewhere else, or he can accept that deal and come back on the qualifying offer. How do you guys feel about all of that happening with Nick Castellanos? Uh, I'm going to start with the fact that I uh... – I really hope he comes back. Like, a he can hit he can hit the ball hard, yes. and he can hit it far. especially at and home. He, a, yes, a, he's been productive there. Um, I know Clay has always brought up you know he's probably average an average defensive right field, and and he himself has you know specifically worked on his defense. Um, but I think I think where he benefits the team the most is in the locker room as a veteran presence, as somebody that brings a lot of energy. Um, and I would hate to lose him in that role. It was, it, it was kind of like when uh, when uh, Scott Rowland came here, mm-hmm. brought brought that experience. You know, Nick doesn't bring as much like postseason stuff, but he brings a lot of like this grit and energy to energy, the other players for sure i mean obviously i don't know any of the behind the scenes things i'm not in the locker room i don't see but you can't tell me that having him there didn't benefit a jonathan india a tyler stevenson just and, and that that also that also extends i know he's not part of this conversation right now but that also extends to a guy like tucker barnhart yep. well, um it's not just on the field either like correct it's you know, I mean, I'm sorry, it's not just off the field, but you can see even on the field, like in the lineup, like the, the way you have to pitch when you have a, you know, India leading off, you know, Nick at three, Winker at four, Joey somewhere in there, wherever he may be. Um, you know, Joey benefited maybe more than anybody by having Cassianos here, both in the energy off the field, you know, in the locker room and all of that and being reinvigorated and talking Absolutely. Even, up, even up until the very last game of the season that they were still competing for, you know, who's going to have the better batting average, who's going to have more home runs, who's going to have more RBIs, that kind of thing. But just to be able to have that kind of guy, but continue. No, I, I mean, you covered a whole lot of, of what I like the emphasis that I was just putting on, on the fact that I, I think he is, would I overpay to bring him back? I mean, obviously that is. I think you have to if you're like, Cincinnati. I mean, well, 
So they're here's going, the deal: is like the Reds are it, going it, to have it, to overpay for a free. They're going to have. They are most certainly going to need to spend the most money they've ever spent going into series. next year. They're they're going to have to, uh, if not only to make sure that they keep the guys that they need to keep, because you can't swap out everybody. You just can't do it for cheap. Right, like you can't swap guys out. Well, we and tried get, to do that in the bullpen and, last year. And, right, you cannot swap guys out and be like, okay, we're gonna let you go and you go and you go, and we're gonna bring Trade in, you. The, we're gonna bring all these guys in and think that they're all going to perform at the same level or even, you know, just below that. It's not gonna work. And you're either he, and we've said this before, and I've beat this drum a lot. If you are going to own a professional sports franchise and Say to your fans and everybody else that you are here to win championships and you want to win. The only point of owning a sports franchise, in my opinion, and I understand some people just own them so that they can continue to make whatever money they can by spending the least amount and still bringing fans in who are diehard. You need to win championships. And or that's sell what the your, team. That's what your goal should be. Or sell the team and go invest in stocks and crypto you know, and NFTs. I wouldn't even care, like if we weren't winning championships, but if we were at least feeling a competent, competitive team year in and year out. And when you when you aren't making those spins in the bullpen and you're trading off pieces, important pieces, your closer in your bullpen and replacing them with pennies on the dollar, you're not trying. It's ridiculous. It, it, it literally, it makes my blood boil you know, my I, I grew up first and foremost as a Reds fan. I've said this before. It that that was like the one thing that I always enjoy watching. And I want to watch them into October. Gosh darn it, and it not be still the like, you know, an extended regular season or some silliness. Like I wanna watch them in meaningful games. I wanna spend my money down there. I wanna go a lot and watch a, a, a great team. And I took my kids this year and like they had a blast, like they were winning when I took them uh to, to see it and it, it kind of invigorated like my eight year old. It was, so was before September. It was, it was before September. I mean it was the first game I was able to take them to that they can probably now remember is during the Cubs series at the end of I think it was June, beginning of July, something like that. Uh we swept the Cubs and like literally it put it put the red legs bug in them, and I don't know if I need to apologize for it in the long run. I mean, we need we need winning baseball, and I look, I get it. They didn't have a losing record this year, but that's not enough. It's not. I want like I I remember the series against the Giants in 2012. It ended in a in a horrible fashion, and I don't want that again. I want them to win series in the postseason. I want a World Series like everybody else does, but I want a team that you. know, is doing things like are happening in, in Milwaukee and in, in Atlanta, but obviously we're never going to be able to spend forty bajillion dollars well, like but, LA. But it's here's gonna... here's here's the thing though: if you're spending money, if if other teams are spending money, LA can't rack up that payroll because there aren't those players available. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. But nobody, just everyone collectively, the Cubs especially, the Cubs should be disgusted. Like Cubs fans should be disgusted with management right now. But the thing is, like the thing is, is I feel like the Cubs 
are are going to turn around. I mean, like they they ended the season playing pretty good baseball. If I don't, I mean, like I didn't really follow them super close, but it seemed like every time I looked, like they were winning games. They were beating the Reds. Um, it it just it it's so frustrating to look at a team and and an ownership that like they were literally like a couple pieces away. And I know everybody says that like, oh, my team was a couple. The Reds were legitimately a couple pieces away from from being a team that is playing tonight instead yep. and, and we're watching we're sitting over here in the middle of the podcast saying like oh did you see that that was a great and heck I'm probably down at the ballpark their their backups were Delino DeShields Jr. Asdrubal Cabrera who had maybe two red hits of his like 50 at bats they had 87 bullpen arms this year are you serious at that no, it wasn't really 87, but it seemed like that they were trading. I would have, I would have, right? you would have said that that was probably right because yeah. it seemed like every day there was a different guy coming until, until they credit where credit's due. The, the deals that they made at the trade deadline to get those guys for like Michael Givens and Luis Sesson and Justin Wilson for next to nothing for mm-hmm. essentially sending a, a bucket of baseballs away. Well, why couldn't deals. they do that in the offseason? Well, those guys wouldn't have been available for a bucket of baseballs at that point. I mean, that's what that's what management would tell you right I now. Mean, well, I mean, the, the reason the Yankees made the deal that they made is because that they were they were making enough money available to pay guys like to to bring in Rizzo and and, and the deals that they made at the at the break, which turned out the, wonderfully for them. Texas. They were they got they got bounced in the first round. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm, it's, it's maddening as a fan, but. I mean, I think I think we beat I think I think we beat we're beating a dead horse right now. I, I don't want we'll I don't, don't want to do this every week, but no, just we'll wanted to bring it up. See, we'll see how. Obviously, like you know, the World Series is going to come and go, um, and and we'll see kind of what what they do after that. Uh, between then and I don't expect probably a lot of things to happen between the end of uh, the World Series and then maybe the winter meetings. Uh, and maybe at that point we'll have like RM Layton come back on because I know he said he's going to the winter meeting. So, um, yeah, you know, maybe we'll do that and have a little chit chat with him. Uh, I know he's I got a little. Now. <laughs> he's got. He, we might have to book him now. But I, know. Got, I, I know he's got a little special place in his heart for the Red yeah. Legs. So uh, well, maybe for, maybe for we'll us do that. too. Yeah. So. So all right, guest hashtag. <laughs> Ed, anything else before we get out of here? I know we we don't often allow you a ton of room to speak. Do you need to get in your AEW takes right here, just so Councilman Barnett can be just happy? Yeah, because with- he said he wasn't going to watch the show. What what's going on with the AEW? I didn't get to watch AEW this week. <laughs> can you actually let's let's talk about hold on. AEW doesn't doesn't want to win tonight, right? I don't know, Ed. <laughs> like. I just, I just think we should clip this and send it directly to Councilman Barnett. For I don't for, want, I don't, I don't want to lose a viewer over the fact that we gave you a, a time gave, frame here, gave you a platform, man, and you said, and I quit. We didn't watch it this week. We are under two hours. I thought I'd give you a little bit of space here. Hold on, and you shit the bed. You, no, you no, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, they're on Wednesday nights. Hey, you can't view that to me. They're on a Wednesday nights. So you what happened? Watch. What happened last Wednesday, Ed? Uh, oh, we had Tony Blake on last Wednesday. Huh? 
Yeah, yeah I Tony even, on last Wednesday. Well, so no, I watched. Watch. I did watch it afterwards, and I really there was a okay. A guy with a half painted yep. face Close came out and wrestled. Oh, we tried. Well, we tried. We tried. Hey, let's that do better next week. Hey, let's do better next week. That was another episode of Pardon the Punctuation for my co-hosts, best producer who was really bad tonight in the city, Ed Mayhall, and for Jeff Howell, I am Aaron Smith. Hey, hey this even was on a, Pardon the Punctuation. Even on a bad night, I'm the best. And we're out. That's what my wife said. Goodbye. Ba-dum-bum.